Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way we think and work. I'm sorry, I got I blew the opening, Ron. Wow, I went man. I went I went back to the old one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back up. Sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker and folks on today's show. We are responding to some stuff that's happened in the media with regarding to subscription, officially titled Tackling Objections to the Subscription Model for Professionals. Ron, how's it going? Very good, Ed. Looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. And I had a, sorry, I had a mind, like, you know, this brain went into, you know, old, old opening. That's wow. <laughs> first time I heard you, heard you ever screw that up. Yeah, well, you know, I got to, it, it, <clears> and I'm, it's right in front of me to read it too. I, it just, the brain just went one that went in that direction. What can I tell you? Know, you? This is the problem with live. I mean, you can't, you know, most no. podcasts would just be able to redo it over. Yeah, but, re- uh, redo it, live. take two. Take this two. Is SNL, nope, man. not us, Ron. You break character, you break character. That's right. <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> right. That's right. Bill O'Reilly. Yep. All right. Well, this is going to be an interesting show, Ron, because uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand, and we're both fired up about two. The One's a Twitter feed, and one is, an, is a post by David C. Baker, previous guest on the show, who, you know, love David. Uh, I, th- I think he's done a lot of great work with the uh, the advertising industry, but uh, either he doesn't understand what we're talking about with regard to the subscription, he, subscription, he hasn't listened to our show, and I don't think he was speaking directly to us, but it's clear to me that he is not certain when he says monthly recurring revenue that he's really talking about subscription. So anyway, uh, I don't know where, which, which one of these you want to start with, so I'll, I'll leave that up to you. So over to you, Ron. Right. Well, on David, yeah, he he wrote the book, which I love, The Business of Expertise, which was excellent. And that show, if you want to go back and listen to our interview with David, that show is episode 356. But I want to tackle this other one first, Ed, because I got this first and just probably like you, a lot of people sent me both of these things. Yes, I got a lot. (laughs) Multiple people sent me both of these. How do you respond to this? How do you know? And the first one is from Brandon Hall, who's a CPA. His Twitter handle is at BHallCPA, BHallCPA. And I don't know Brandon. And, of course, we have to preface this by saying we're not attacking the people here. No. You know, we love one of these guys, David. I don't know, Brandon. I'm sure he's a great guy. He's a CPA, so he's automatically a colleague of mine. We're attacking the ideas. Mm-hmm. And I wish and I hope people keep that in mind. The other thing I want to say, Ed, is you and I have been marinating this topic for a long time. Yes. Four years, five years. And we have had on the four best sellers in this space. Mm-hmm. Tinzo, you know, Robbie Kelman Baxter, John Warlow, and Ann Janzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, you know, just finished a book on subscription and I realize it's not out yet. So people haven't been able to hear it. slash times up. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Um, 
But, you know, here's, here's the thing. Uh, Brandon did a thread. It's a seven-part thread. And I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to read the highlights. He said, I ran a monthly subscription model for two and a half years between 2016 and 18 before I pulled the plug. And this thread details the issues I ran into from pricing to execution. So the first issue is services are not products. What do Netflix, Porsche, Peloton, and then he's got an updated uh, thread on this uh, in his recent Twitter feed, you know, Peloton, Dollar Shave Club, what do they all have in common? Products do the work for them, right? So, mm-hmm. if, you know, you can watch 100 hours of Netflix and never call anybody, but if somebody needs 100 hours of a CPA firm or a professional firm, well, then somebody's got to put in 100 hours. Now, that's true. But so what? That doesn't mean Disney <laughs> isn't and, and Netflix aren't doing other things besides just, you know, feeding you content. Netflix, holy cow, is developing the content, a lot of the content that they put on their site. And paying actors a lot of money. A ton of money. More than hiring your entire accounting firm. Uh, probably just goes to one director like Steel Spielberg or whoever. Uh, it, I mean... This idea that only professional firms require any type of complexity. I mean, Disney is a thousand times more complex than running an accounting firm. They've got Imagineers doing stuff in the background. They're building, you know, $200 million attractions every couple years. Try, try, Try that. They're dealing with over something like 50 unions. Mickey Mouse is a teamster. Um, this is true in Florida. I don't know if it's true in Disneyland, but the, all the costume, all the cast members are members of unions and mm-hmm. there's over 50 of them, <laughs> 50 different. I mean, this idea that only professional firms are complex is, is baffling to me. Baffling. Well, let me try to play devil's advocate for a second here, Ron. And I say, and, and say that, that maybe, maybe it's not the, the, the complexity that he's really talking about here so much as it is the direct relationship between a customer who needs work and therefore the reserved capacity of a professional. So the meaning when, when, you know, Disney, and first of all, and the other objection I can hear him saying is, well, Disney doesn't offer a lot of subscriptions. Not everything at Disney is a subscription. You can buy one-offs at Disney. You can go to the park and be done with it. So you can, you can toss out the, the Disney from that perspective. But the, I I think the, the, the point being is that it's the, that relationship between the, the reservation of capacity that is the objection. Whereas that's not necessarily the case for, say, you know, Pelotaton and um, and 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 those others where there's and Porsche. And Porsche. Although, although Porsche has to build the cars, they have to, they have to build the car, right? Yeah. So there, <laughs> and, it's, and it's not it's not a, it's not people capacity. It's a, it's a it's a it's a machine capacity. I don't know that that makes a difference. And you, your point your point of so what still may hold because you still got to build a car. And you still need people. Porsche still hires mm. people to work with alongside the machines. Uh, and he didn't, and in all fairness, he didn't mention Disney. So I don't know how I got onto that rant. But, mm. um, you know, he, here's the thing, Brandon. Um, concierge doctors have been doing this since 1996. They're professional firms last time I checked. Now, I get in debates all the time about this with accountants. Running a medical practice is simpler than an account. Yeah, is simpler than an accounting firm. Really, really, <laughs> really, really. Well, one clue. I, I just might check their insurance policies and see who pays bigger premiums. 
you know, because we're pricing risk here, mm-hmm. you know, uh, obviously doctors pay a heck of a lot more risk. So maybe that now risk doesn't necessarily mean complexity, but it does mean risk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And, and concierge doctors have been doing this since 1996. MD squared built one of the largest medical practices in the country of general physicians doing concierge practice. So please DPC doctors, there's over 1,750 of them in the United States today. These are professional firms that have glommed on to the subscription model and made it work. So his second point, Ed, is pricing is hard. Subscribers to anything generally expect unlimited access. You need great customer data to price unlimited effectively. That's interesting. So even if I launch a business with no customer data yet, I need, I need incredible data. Now, I, I agree, data is important, but it's not the only thing that goes into pricing. Data is about the past. Um, so he says, solution, offer three tiers and iterate. So you have a basic level where you might get two calls plus unlimited email. You might have a middle, you know, which is four calls, unlimited email, and you might have a pro, which is unlimited so, okay, now we talk about different turnaround time and access mm-hmm. time and all that when it comes to tiering your, your uh, data, or I mean, tiering your, your access. Um, but I just think that, you know, look, pricing is hard no matter what business model you're in. Yeah. So I just, th- th- that's kind of a, re- it's kind of a redundant point. Um, but you need great customer data to price unlimited effectively and I got to believe what he means there is time spent. I would think and that, and, that, that's and an assumption on our part, but it I, is. But, it, it would but, be, but if yeah. it's not, I'd like to know the data he wants to look at. Mm-hmm. If not time spent, well, then you're not talking about value pricing the way we talk about it or subscription pricing the way that we talk about it. And I just think this idea of limiting phone calls is insane. I mean, the whole point, is even in value pricing, forget subscription, mm-hmm. value price was to break down the Berlin Wall of communication. Right. If my customers, if I don't accept a call from a customer of mine, that would be like walking down the street, seeing them and not acknowledging them. Yeah. Why bother? Yep. And, and well, this this goes back to something that the old saw that, that we've been talking about for years, even before we were talking about subscription, is that when you put limitations on the number of calls or anything like that, you're giving the customer pause for not calling to say, do I want to use, quote, one of my calls on this? Is yep. that what I want to do? And we never want to put that barrier up so that the customer is thinking, oh, I, maybe I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll wait and use it for something more important later. Because they don't know. The whole point is that they don't know. So th- this is where I've been arguing for years. No, we, we got to get away from limitations on the number of calls and change it to a response time. Eight hours, and four hours, three hours, something like that. It's precisely before the customer does something that they want to call you and ask you about it. Or, no kidding. Or get your advice. Right. And that's when we can add the most value. Mm-hmm. If we find out after the fact, there's not much value we can add. No, and they're pissed off because they, we have to fix whatever it is that they broke. Absolutely. Because they didn't want to call us because they put a lim- we put a limitation on the number of calls. <laughs> and why you would why you would want to limit your customer contacting you is is baffling to me. Yeah. Um, his third point, I know we only got a couple minutes here, but his third point is client expectation issues. Charge someone monthly, and they will expect to receive value monthly. Simply providing unlimited access is not enough. 
Solution, host a monthly client webinar newsletter. Solution two, don't bill monthly. Break into three payments for the year. Mm -hmm. Now, look, I don't want to get into the payment thing because I think the payment cadence, because I think that's a... You know, an individual choice that you need that each firm needs to test. I mean, Jody Grundon does a, a weekly payment cadence mm-hmm. that works well for him. Mm-hmm. Does CFO services, but I will say that yeah, it, the whole point of of uh, subscription is recurring value. Mm-hmm. You know, a periodic payment for recurring value. And no, of course not. Access is not going to be enough. But there's more to it than that. Accountants mm-hmm. do provide recurring value. Whether even if it's in taxes, and if you can't find enough transformations to work on with your with your customer for you know a given year, um, wow, then I I don't have no idea what you're doing for them. I mean, if you're doing the books, there's obviously recurring value there. If you're doing any type of cast work, mm-hmm. uh, even tax work, you're going to have two or three planning projection meetings a year. So mm-hmm. there's recurring value there. So. I, I mean, I agree with him that unlimited access isn't enough, but that's not all subscription is. It's also peace of mind. It's convenience. It's insurance. It's a whole. It's it's simplicity. It's a better customer experience. Uh, it's a bunch of other things rather than just accessing you. Yep, and I, I would agree on his solution. One there is to provide v- value over and above the whatever it is that you're doing. So whether that's through a a monthly webinar or or all those things, the plusing that we like to talk about, right? Right. I'm not sure that the solution two makes all that much sense. I get what you're saying, Ron. Is that you you're not you're somewhat agnostic on the fact whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly. That you're you're okay with 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 that. Yeah, we we prefer not to see annual um, because that that I think. Think is is not the best idea with regard to subscription. I've, but but I, I'm not sure that that solving the problem is breaking into three payments for the year is going to to make that value somehow better. I, I don't think that is a direct solution to the problem. But I don't either. And look, I, I like the idea of you know a, a client webinar monthly or yeah, maybe yeah, you have a CEO absolutely. roundtable. Maybe mm-hmm. you have a book book of the cl- uh, book of the month club or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, this idea Ed that that we've got to pack on services, you know, brick by brick by brick, stack up services mm-hmm. to create more value is insane. We can leverage our knowledge. We can leverage our social capital to create value that doesn't require us always using our hands. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So um, th- those are the first three of his points. And then he- he's got seven. So why don't we take a break and uh, we'll go through the rest of Brandon's list In the meantime, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact me or Ed, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. And now, a word from our sponsor and our latest sponsor, Melio, an accounts payable solution that both you and your customers will absolutely love. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Accountants and bookkeepers, listen up. Save time by streamlining your customers' payables with Melio. Melio lets you make all your customers' business payments on one simple dashboard. There's no monthly fees and you can send ACH transfers for free. Best of all, Melio syncs with your accounting software so everything is organized. Do yourself and your customers a favor. Join Melio so you can spend less time on payments and more time growing your firm. Visit Melio.com slash accountants for more information. 
Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul? I absolutely have. What if I told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast? I'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download... Oh, oh my fraud. fraud. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're tackling some objections on the subscription business model, especially as it applies to professional firms. And we're talking about a Twitter thread from Brandon Hall, and he's at B Hall CPA. And at his fourth point is cash flow issues. Sign a client in June, but not doing the return until next spring. Hopefully rocket budgeting. Ever want to move away from monthly billing? Multiple months of pain. Solution, don't include tax prep in the subscription. Um, this kind of defeats the whole purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, in my mind, that when you cover somebody for tax, you're covering them for everything that you're capable and competently capable of doing within tax. Mm-hmm. That means if you do audit representation, if you do offers and compromise, if you go before tax court, as some CPAs and lawyers do, then that's going to be made available, just like DPC doctors and concierge doctors say, anything we can do as a general physician, you're covered, period. doesn't matter. Um, now, that in itself is the limitation. It's what you're capable of doing. A, a GP is not going to do cardiac surgery. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tr- cure cancer. So I, I think pulling things out of a subscription because you're worried about it is, is absolutely insane. And then his, I don't know what happened to point five, but yeah, there is it, no point five. So it went to six. Yeah. So I, <laughs> maybe he edited or something, but scope changes create unhappy clients. Changing the price on a client after they've locked in will make them unhappy. 
clients think their cost was 500 a month and all of a sudden they're facing an additional $1,000 bill. Solution, don't include tax prep in the subscription. Um, again, tax prep should be included. I mean, it's part of the service. It's, it's a table stake for crying out loud. I wouldn't go to a hotel and expect them not to have sheets and towels and change them daily. <laughs> and if they do do that, they're not going to get any brownie points for me for that. That's a basic expectation. I'm completely confused on this. And I, you know, maybe he can clarify, and, and, and that's fine. I, and maybe it's just, it's just our misunderstanding of, of his business. But why wouldn't you include the tax return in this? Is, isn't the whole part of the whole idea is that you're, you're selling this a transformation and that it's not just the tax return. It, tax returns should be included. And, and don't customers want to spread payments for that over the course of a year rather than have one big lumpy bill in yeah. April? I, I, you know, I, the other point of the subscription is to, you know, lessen the cash flow hit, right? I mean, that's for the part customer, of the, and that, but the customer, we still, yeah. you still think that you're, they're going to be paying more overall, because as we said, we, we think that, right. what is it, you know, four to six times the, 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 what they, what they re- would regularly pay you for just the tax, just the tax return, because you're going to be including all of this other stuff in the offering. I, but but it's still a, a hell of a lot easier for them to break it up over twelve payments than it is to to you know get a, get some big bill. Again, I I think I can shed some light on this okay. what he means by this because he answers a question in this thread from somebody. Oh, I see. Um, okay. And his last point is cancellations. Client cancels six months into their subscription, but before you've delivered a key component like a tax return, you will be facing several thousand dollar refunds. This becomes hard to manage at scale. Solution, don't include tax prep in the subscription. Uh, everything is don't include tax prep. That's going to solve all these problems. Like, um, you know, look, clients can leave at any time. Sure, they can cancel at any time uh, under subscription, and you want to make it easy for them to do so. But by doing that and by offering a better experience, a plus experience, they're going to be less likely, I think, to cancel. And on the scope thing, here, here's what somebody wrote in, said, Brandon, I'm currently following your model. You suggest I bill 100% up front for the tax advisory work, and then we'll present tax prep at the end of the year. The only problem I have is clients want to know how much tax prep is. Imagine that, Ed. You they want to know? know the price how dare them want to know how much? Wow. What? Do you suggest Holy giving cow. them? Do you suggest giving them ranges or estimates up front? And then Brandon replied, yes, we give estimates during the sales process and explain we'll narrow it down as we work with them. We don't lock in a price until December, January. Um, this is hourly billing thinking. Yeah. And that, th- yeah. This, this whole thing is hourly billing thinking. Yes. And it's all services. It's all scope of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, and there is, uh, you, can, you can easily diagnose why he pulled the plug on this. Mm-hmm. Brandon, you were underpriced. Yeah. You, you went to the market with a common offering and you commanded a common price. You didn't plus the offering. You didn't, you didn't make it easy. You didn't surface simplicity for your customers. You worried about how many hours is this going to take? Are we making money on this? Um, and the thing that gets me, Ed, is another thing is if you look on his Twitter feed, he says he built up $5.5 million annual recurring revenue accounting firm. Mm-hmm. But I thought he pulled the plug. So here's another, let me, let me just drop this bomb on you. This is another big distinction. There's a big difference between recurring revenue 
and reoccurring revenue. Mm. And reoccurring revenue, absolutely. Most accounting firms make 90% of their revenue as reoccurring. Reoccurring. (laughs) Reoccurring. Because it's the same customers, you know, it's that evergreen work, mm-hmm. but it's not annual recurring unless you're in a subscription model. And the subscription model is a big difference uh, because if you go to sell that business, uh, whoever comes in and buys it, the due, part of the due diligence is they're going to separate recurring from reoccurring. And this is a point John Borlow made on a recent podcast, this distinction, mm-hmm. and he says it's a really it's a very misunderstood thing with professional firms. They think they have recurring revenue. They do not. They have reoccurring, reoccurring. Re- reoccurring revenue unless they are in a pure subscription model. Yeah. And one thing that I didn't understand, maybe perhaps some shed some light being the the, the, the recovering CPA. In, in, in Objection 7, where he talks about cancellations, what, what does he say you'll be facing several thousand dollars in refunds? If, uh, if yeah. You, if you cancel... If is is one, is that is that a distinction between recurring and reoccurring? In other words, if you're you're paying on a on a monthly basis, that's you're not that's because the subscription is once you pay, that's it, that's done. <laughs> Unless he's tying it to hours or or the work, mm. right? And and that's right. the only thing I could think of there, which is just insane. Again, that's not subscription. Um, I mean, Ed, when MD Square launched in 1996. They charge $32,000 a year for a family of four mm-hmm. to, to be covered by, you know, one of their direct uh, care physicians. And uh, I don't know what the price is today, but it's got to be higher than that. Now, now, they went to the market. That was an outrageous price in 1996. Go back and do the math, right, mm-hmm. with an inflation adjustment. Um, but they got it. They commanded it. And they grew because of it because it was a unique it was a plus offering. It was an uncommon offering. Nobody else had this when they did this. And that's what that's what we're talking about with subscription. If you just go to the market as a regular tax accounting firm that will take any cost. I didn't see any discussion of niche in here, which is why I think he's so freaked out about the scope, right? Because if you don't have a well-defined niche and a well-defined positioning in the marketplace and a well-defined strategy... Well, then, yeah, you're going to have some customers that are $2 million a year, some customers that are $20 million, $50 million. Well, yeah, then you're going to be all over the board. But that's not a pricing problem. That's a strategy issue. Right. And a lot of firms have that. And, um, you know, I think, and I heard Jackie Meyer say this on another podcast. She said, yeah, she goes, I, you know, I hear Ed and Ron talk about subscription, but they must mean for high volume because they talk about spread the price over the portfolio. But that only works if you have a lot of clients, not if you have a boutique practice like mine. And I'm pulling my hair out listening to this going, Jackie, MD squared was a boutique, $32,000 per year for, you know, I mean, I, it, it just, it, it baffles me that people don't understand this model yet. Yes, it's it, it's a challenge. I, I do think, and that recurring versus reoccurring is a, is a really great distinction to make. So I re- appreciate that. I, 
Yeah. I, I, again, I think we may be playing tennis court on two different courts with, with Brandon here. So if I'm, I'm sure we're, we're misunderstanding a lot of what he's saying, but I thought it was important that we did respond to this because so many people did send this to both of us and said, right. well, you guys have got to take this on. So Brendan, if you, if you do uh, listen, listen, listen to this or someone shares this with you again, uh, it wasn't one directed specifically at you, Brandon, it was, it was more about the ideas. So uh, hopefully we're, we'll be able to, to, talk to you someday and, and, and figure all of it out. But we're against our break. I want to remind you that you contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the soul of enterprise where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. Also, we do have our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash TSOE, where you can hear the show without commercials and also get our weekly bonus episodes that Ron and I record. You can, uh, not that, that, Patreon channel is sponsored by 90 Minds. If you need a mine, get one at 90minds.com. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Back with uh, Ron, we're talking about taking on some objections to the subscription model. But before we get back into it and address the article by David C. Baker, wanted to read a review that we got of the podcast. And this is from S.W. Belloff. I happen to know Steve. Steve is, uh, and I used to be colleagues at a, a way back, probably 20 years ago at a technology firm. So thanks, Steve, for writing the review. And he said, excellent and well thought out content and interviews. Excellent podcast. Knowing Ed personally, he is always insightful, and I found him to be, be a deep thinker. This seems to be a good pairing. It is definitely worth a listen on the drive home. Thanks again, Stephen. Really appreciate that. And uh, those of you who haven't had a chance, please go out to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE, where I guess you could, what you can do at ratethispodcast.com, Ron. Guess what you can do there? Rate this podcast. You can rate this podcast. Isn't that uh, just amazing? Awesome. <laughs> 
Well, thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad to be paired with Ed. Um, if I have to be a pairing for something, it's, yeah. not, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so David C. Baker, he wrote a blog post, Why Monthly Recurring Revenue MRR Arrangements May Not Be Ideal. He says he's been dropping passive-aggressive hints at this for 12 years, but he says the allure, of course, is obvious. Mm-hmm. Revenue is more predictable. He thinks that's true. Established contra- uh, contracts will make it easier to sell our firm someday. Not true. It elevates our relationship to a more partner status. Uh, he says, maybe. So he says, he's been a lonely voice beating the drum. MRR is a bad idea, except in rare circumstances. He actually started this article seven years ago. He says, MRR is a variant of the retainer relationship. And I had to stop there and say, well, that's not true. Now, you could argue it kind of grew out of retainer relationship. I remember when I wrote about MD squared and talking mm-hmm. a lot about MD squared. Uh, it was in my 2006, seven book, uh, Pricing on Purpose. Mm-hmm. And I called him, I called it retainer-based medicine mm-hmm. because that was the paradigm I was under. Subscription in their modern incarnation hadn't, hadn't come out yet, really. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, that is not what they were doing, but that's what I thought they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I actually met at Scaling New Heights the accountant for MD Squared when they started. And she was the one that opened up every new office and did, you know, the accounting uh, chart of accounts and all of that for every new office that was opened when in their hyper growth stage. So I got to talk to this gal and she said, I had no idea what their business model was. I didn't know how to account for revenue. I did because they were getting paid monthly. They had all this cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't know what to, I didn't know how to code it. I, you know, she was looking for services to code it to. So right. she goes, I'm, I'm thrilled that you got it wrong too back in 2008. Cause I didn't know what the hell it was mm-hmm. back in the nineties. Um, and, and I think that's another, a big, big misconception that subscription is just a form of retainer. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you stand corrected back in, in, in your 2006 Absolutely. book. And and and, I th- and and as I was reading through uh, David's article, the uh, same thing struck me is that 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 he's he's taking a term that is used now in the subscription economy and, and subscription based businesses, which is MMR, but he's applying it to an old paradigm. And that uh, and so the really what follows from this article, I can't necessarily object to because I don't think we're talking about apples and apples and apples here. Right. So, he he actually he writes a little bit later on that MRR is not the holy grail. MRR is not the holy grail. No. Customer lifetime value is the holy, is the holy grail. grail. Right. And, and um, uh, a, a better offering to the marketplace, a plus offering, which he also talks about. And he thinks MRR is problematic. He says, MRR screams implementation and not strategic guidance. How? Not really. You can do transformations. You can do very high-level things. It's not just about selling your hands. You can leverage your intellectual capital, as we talked about with the ideas that, you know, a CEO roundtable or a book of the month club or, you know, other ways to just leverage social capital. Um, So I don't think that's true at all. He also says MRR promotes over-servicing, especially from unsophisticated clients because they'll feel like they own you. Well, first off, that could be the wrong client. But mm. but um, over-servicing customers, I mean, I think that's a really interesting um, term because is 
doesn't that mean plussing in our world? I mean, well, okay. So, so, so here's where, where I think again, this tennis on two different courts scenario mm-hmm. is, is playing itself out here. I think what he's talking about there is what, what I, we, we've referred to in the, in the past as, as a uh, scope seep. Yes. Scope or seep. Could, or it could be creep too. The customer. Could be creep. Well, but when he says cut promotes over servicing. So the, the, meaning you're doing more for, more and more for right. the customer, even though they didn't necessarily quote ask for it because you feel like you have to, you have to, you have to get through the hours this month. Right. Right. right? And again, I think what he's talking about here is you know, this retainer based stuff where you're working off hours. Right. I mean, it, it, I mean, he even says it screams hourly billing, you know, I mean, and, and, and yes. that's, and it just makes no sense. Now I want to just take a quick pause here for a second, Ron, because I wanted, I, I've been doing some further thinking about, uh, the conversation that we had with Brian Terrell and the, this notion of if it's, if MRR screams implementation, I would, I'd be curious to see if what Brian would think about that <laughs> because right. he was like, that, that's the thing that he struggled with is that he was not do he's, he's removing the implementation um, right. if, and spreading it out over. He's not saying you're going to, going to pay this. And, you know, we we have we talked about that maybe for the, this type of engagement, do you do a declining uh, uh, payment, right? So you, maybe it's ten thousand a month until you get the system implemented, and then it's five thousand a month. Just totally making up the numbers, just to to talk about that. And I wanted to run this by you and get your your feedback on it. The, the one good thing that I can s- say about that is that, especially if you have a very specific engagement that you want them to say is finished or completed is that that creates incentive for the customer to say, yes, we're done with that piece of it because right. their bill, their bill is going to go down. Right. Right. You guys right? talked about that. You yeah. guys actually taught you. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so what I'm thinking that what, what I've rethought though, is maybe you don't make it quite as drastic as, as cutting it in half. Like I was, I was talking about, but maybe it's a, you know, a $6,000 to $5,000. And I'm just talking about ratio here. So the right. incentive is still there, but it's not as big a dip. Uh, to, to, and, and I think that that, that might be a better, a better way to think about it. Anyway, I just wanted to offer that while we take a pause here. And, and, and when, when he's, he says screams implementation, that's what jumped into my head. So. Right. Right. And, and when he says over-servicing, he says, especially from unsophisticated clients, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, I don't know if that means simple clients or, or because then he says, you know, these writing a big check for them every month is a high hurdle. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't sound like a great client to me, but okay, put that aside. Then he goes on to say, MRR doesn't always lead to your best work. Your people can slowly migrate to the notion of filling time to use that month's allotment up. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't get this because I don't think there's a correlation between filling an allotment up and subscription. I mean, there's no room for timesheet data here. There's no room to match revenue to you know specific work. I mean, it just doesn't, that filling time, I mean, I guess that's a risk in any model, <laughs> employees could just fill time, right? They mm-hmm, could work mm-hmm. with half their hand, you know, behind their back or whatever. But um, I didn't, I have to say, I didn't quite understand that. Then he said, MRR is not easy bedfellow with value pricing because the scope is almost defined by hours and not results. This is completely untrue. I mean, we're the biggest proponents of value pricing there is. Um, but, uh, you know, and, uh, and also because it's a plus offering and it's an uncommon offering, it's going to make skim pricing easier. I think this is a perfect complement to skim the skim pricing strategy. Yeah. After all, there's only three strategies, 
And mm-hmm. MD squared went to the market with a skim price strategy at 32 grand a year for a family of four. Now, TBC docs are going into the market with a neutral and some even, I'd say, a penetration pricing strategy. But it, the, the model accommodates that as well. Yeah. As we see with Dr. Paul. This one specifically, when I read this article, this is what screamed to me, tennis on two different courts. It is, yes. Yeah. Because uh, uh, if, if it, David, I assure you, Ed and I would not be proponents <laughs> of, of the subscription business model if it reeked of hourly billing right. that right. we've spent the last 36 years trying to bury <laughs> uh, and if it didn't allow for pricing commensurate with value. Right. It just wouldn't be on our radar screen. We wouldn't give it the attention um, that we do. MRR requires more disclosure to your client than I think is healthy. There's an overhead factor in the reporting requirement as well. I just don't see that either. I mean, I have no idea what he's talking about with disclosure of what? Your costs, disclosure of the time spent. I mean, that happens under hourly billing. It certainly should never happen under value pricing. And it mm-hmm. doesn't happen, shouldn't happen under subscription. I mean, this is something that the business controls, not the customer. So I think that's kind of specious. MRR relationships, when they start to go bad, veer off course so suddenly you can seldom, seldom save them. I kind of think that's true with any relationship. Yeah. <laughs> relationships yeah. are either growing or they're dying. And when they start to die, they can go down pretty fast. Um, so I, I don't think that has anything to do with the business model per se. I agree with that statement. Yeah, I thought the same thing. MRR decreases the pressure on innovation. Uh, and and I, and I read that and I thought, wait a minute. It, it, the, the companies that are doing subscription, and I'm not talking, you know, the, the wine of the month box and the fruit. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Amazon. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you know, a, a Dollar Shave and Harry's and, uh, you know, Netflix. These companies... Amazon has been brilliant at innovation, constantly adding new things. The DPC docs and the concierge doctors have been phenomenal at adding new services, whether it's lab work or, uh, you know, diagnostic equipment like uh, uh, PET scanners or other things, uh, adding pharmacology. I mean, innovation is baked into this model. The pressure to do that comes from focusing on modeling customer lifetime value. So I just, I, you know, innovation is an essential and integral part of this, like your vacuum cleaner for crying out loud. Yes. And then I got an email from them this morning. My, my new brushes are on the way, Ron. I'll pick (laughs) pick them up when I get home. (laughs) And and, uh, MRR clients may expect a discount in exchange for this fixed arrangement. And I thought, wow, a disc, they may expect a discount, but they shouldn't get one. I mean, I guess every customer wants a discount, but expecting one, uh, I, I just uh, let, I let me let me see if I can all. jump in here too. Is, is I guess what he's talking about here is, and I would I would phrase it this way: they may expect preferred pricing on other services that you're not including, which we've talked about that as something that you might actually do. But then you've got to set the price of those other services correctly so that the preferred price is not something that where you're, quote, you know, eating into your profits on that. But he's not saying on marginal services, Ed. He's saying MRR clients may expect a discount in exchange for the fixed arrangement. 
And mm. well, oh, yeah. no, actually, yeah. David, it's the exact opposite. When you give a fixed price, you should yeah. charge a premium. Check your mortgage yes. statement. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of that's kind of weird too. MRR is built on the assumption that there's a direct correlation between the length of a relationship and the quality of that relationship. Now, I agree with this. Mm-hmm. I just I don't think just because you have a big client, maybe they pay you a lot of money, maybe that they're there in your top tier, they've been with you forever, but if they're toxic, you know, I don't think it's worth it. I mean, customer lifetime value needs to be looked at, not the math of the moment, but there needs to be qualitative assessments of clients. I don't care what business model you're in. That's true. Yeah. Even hourly billing, I don't want any firm to have a toxic customer. And and the length of the relationship, of course, that's not a, a, a proxy for a customer, uh, for the for the strength of the relationship or a good relationship. Of course, it's not. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Well, we're up against our last break. Ron, Ron want to remind you that you can get a hold of either myself or Ron at AskTSOE at Verisage.com. Website, The Soul of Enterprise, show notes, previews to upcoming shows, and the like. Next week, we're going to be talking to Chris Strickland again. More on that later. But right now, a word from our sponsor, who also happens to be my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! Have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul? I absolutely have. What if I told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast? I'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download... Oh, Oh my fraud. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're tackling objections to the subscription business model. 
not sure people understand the model yet, Ed, but uh, that's part of our job here. But uh, just to finish up on the David Baker uh, article, mm-hmm. um, he does believe that you should do an audit, di- an audit and a diagnostic, describe the target, give them a fixed price with an open-ended time frame. Um, not sure that that's any different than just putting on, on subscription, trusting your value, and, and just getting on with the work. Um, and he also says, don't leave an MRR relationship open-ended. Tell the client, you know, this is going to last for seven or ten months or whatever. He says you can even, he, he, he links to the preemptive breakup from Seinfeld, from mm-hmm. the Seinfeld episode. And my point about that is I, I still think the Paul Kennedy idea of sitting down with every client at the beginning of the year and saying, should we continue this relationship? I still think you can do that with subscription. Absolutely. And that's, that, that's, and again, very much in alignment with, with CR shows on, on, and with Peter Block on that, where we, t- we talked about the, the, the closing of, of a, any engagement should always include a conversation about exit of the relationship. And it's, it should, it should always be put on the table as, as part of the conversation. Even if you if you don't think that you're going to exit, you put it on the table for them. Let them know that it's it, it if they they want out, we'll, we're at any time. We're right, and of course, subscription makes that clear. Yeah, almost every it, yeah. every point of contact. Yep. Um, so he finishes off by saying that you know strategy retainer. You know you have a convenient place to throw your thinking without worrying about compensation. You have an incentive to put your feet up in behalf of your client. So he's saying that the MRR could work for for some some aspects like strategy. But I, you know, I think the other component of this that wasn't talked about is with subscription that also requires uh, less customers. So there's always spare capacity and that spare capacity can be used to strategize mm-hmm. with your customers and put your right. feet up and, and think on, on a bigger level. Um, he says retainers and MRR relationships scream hourly work and shouldn't, and you shouldn't be doing hourly work. David, that's just not true. They do not scream hourly work, or we wouldn't have spent the last four years talking about them. Because right. I, I, we're trying to bury the billable hour and not save it. So anyway, um, those were the two big things that I got sent multiple times, Ed. And then you got sent an email from one of our listeners, Karen. And I just want you to tell that story because I thought it was a phenomenal email. Yeah, Karen O'Lane, who is a member of the 90 Minds group, Ron. So right, we right. had some some great interaction, the sponsor of the show. So we appreciate that. But she, I'm going to read uh, portions of this email. She she said that she took a couple hours for herself and went to see Top Gun Maverick on the 4th of July. Really liked the movie. But it was the experience of things that caught her attention. She said, first, when I booked my tickets, I selected a VIP ticket without really understanding what that meant. I was in a hurry and just picked something. The normal ticket would have been $14. The one that I selected was $22. I thought I would be in the theater where there was a screen on three sides, but it was not. There was a only, only had one screen. Uh, comfortable chairs, all this. Uh, in the olden days, she said, I would pay $14 for my ticket and at least $25 for a large popcorn and a large slushy. So the VIP thing was new is a great deal. But the best part was I didn't have to stand in a mile long line to order and pay for concessions. There were other people in the VIP concession area, but I literally walked up and got what I wanted, self-serve, no waiting. 
that was worth a lot more than the $8 ticket difference. I got a smaller popcorn bag than I would have because it was already pre-filled and I didn't get the slushy because I opted to buy an adult beverage. <laughs> the uh, concession even more profitable. That's right. Even more profitable concession wise. They didn't spend m- much money on me with the adult beverage, which cost almost as much as the ticket. I'm sure they made money and I was fine with that. She said, second, while watching the introductory um, information, they touted a movie theater subscription program based on the experience I was having at the moment. I made a mental note to look it up when she got home, and she provides the website link. And I think they started a subscription a few years ago, but now they have amped their game. I'm not inclined to buy the subscription, as she is not a frequent user, but it's a great deal for those who are. She concludes by saying, in the future, I'll select a VIP ticket without giving a second thought because the experience was great. So there you go. Thanks, Karen. Really appreciate the the email. Um, Ron, you've got some comments on this. So I, I just thought it was great. At first off, they did up their game. So it's this is the perfect example of plussing. Mm-hmm. You know, that special line for the VIP and the subscribers. That's a big deal. We're seeing this with car washes, right? People will pay that extra just to move to the front of the line. We see that with Disney Parks, Universal Studios. You know, there's there's two options at Disney that you can upgrade to 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 move to the front of the line and then i mm-hmm. guess it's the other the, the higher even higher priced one is how many uh rides you can reserve at once so mm-hmm. you want to be able to do that with more than one ride um I, so i love that but i also think her her line no waiting you know she went up and they, it was self-serve the popcorn was in a bag or whatever and she says that was worth a lot to me and she capitalized a lot and, and what I've been screaming about and what I see with subscription more than anything is if you save our, if you save the customer time, they'll pay a fortune for that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think right now professional firms waste customers time. We send them 200 page organizers and expect them to do that. I mean, we have no regard for their time. Like, like you always say, you know, if we're going to do timesheets, let's measure the, the customer's time that we save them because that's, what's important. People will pay a fortune to save time. And we're just not capitalizing on it. We don't see it. But I think this is one of the reasons people love Amazon so much and one touch, right? And so the question I would have for, for Karen on this by way of follow-up is, okay, uh, if that's the case, uh, would you pay $5 a month in a subscription, Karen, if it got you the VIP ticket? Right. <laughs> right. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, access to that VIP area. Well, you know, I only go to the movies three or four times a year. Well, absolutely worth it to be, you know, in $5 a month. Ding, 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 ding. Right. That'll work. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing that people sent us, Ed, back and forth was this BMW offering. Uh, you know, they're starting microtransactions yes. and they're doing this in Britain, Korea, Germany, New Zealand, and South Africa. So they're offering a heated steering wheel, heated seats. Um, it, it's, it's like 18 bucks um, mm-hmm. in our money. Australia is going to be next. Um, the UK already has at BMW seven of 13 digital services from heated seats to automatic high beam and driving assistance are now available in subscription. Um, so th- this, this article, and this is out of abc.net and from Australia, it goes on to explain the subscription model, what it is, how it works. Basically they say, Consumers can be divided into two groups, transactional and shopper that, you know, a a transactional shopper or those who are connected and invest in the brand. I like that distinction. We always talk about relational versus transactional. Um, Now, customers can still buy these options outright. 
from the company. Um, but one of the reasons, and this, this made me pause, car makers argue the reason they offer so many options as extras is because most owners don't want them. So this mostly looks like BM, BMW offering a try before you buy option. So if you try the heated steering wheel or heated seats or whatever, and then you find out, you know, I really like this, mm -hmm. um, you know, then you can just buy it outright or you can subscribe to it. And so it's just a way for them to sell more options like they try and do when you just try buy a car regularly. Yep. Yeah. So um, just thought that was interesting. I think there's a component of nickel and diming here, especially with a luxury brand. Got to be careful. That, that, yeah, I, I think that's a big problem. But other than that, a lot of people sent us, so that's our comment on that. So, Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Ron, next week, your favorite guest of all time <laughs> will be back with us for the fourth time. Uh, interview with Chris Strickland. Can't wait. Okay, Ed, I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. But in the meantime, please do feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.